attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, welcome to the backstage area of Context and Clarity. Every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I and our live audience talk with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. You may be the employee of a firm dreaming of doing your own thing, or maybe you've had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Every week we cover topics that fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host, Catherine McPhail, and I had with a special guest. Or will it be guests? from the Context and Clarity community. All of this to break down last week's Context and Clarity live conversation. So thanks for joining us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in the Context and Clarity live conversation to our own businesses. Let's get into it. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. Welcome to the backstage area of the Context and Clarity Studios. This week on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I talked to both Zach Waters and Stephen Litchfield. Zach's the founder and CEO of Black Swan Risk Management, a strategic risk management consulting firm based in the Bay Area of California. And Stephen is the founding partner of Litchfield Law, PC, in Newport Beach, California. But we wanted to know what our audience thought about the conversation with Zach and Steve. 
So we've invited Kenneth Crutcher back to join us on the backstage. Ken is an architect and educator and the founder of Crutcher Studio in the Detroit, Michigan area. So Ken, welcome backstage. Oh, thank you for having me back. It's great to have you back. Um, okay, we just we talked to Zach and Steve. Uh, this is Zach's second appearance on Context and Clarity Live, so he's the first now to, to be a repeat. Mm-hmm. One thing I have been very conscious of all week is that when we had Zach the first time, we spent a week talking about risk management. Now we've got a second week talking about risk management. And a lot of people said, hey, this is stressing me out, This all this talk about risk management. Um, so we brought Zach and Steve on so we could get the perspective of insurance and and attorney, basically. Um, you know, both sides of the spectrum or both ends of the spectrum, I guess. Um, what did we learn? (laughs) Uh, Ken, what, what's, what's a big takeaway for you from this whole thing? Oh gosh. Um, I guess, uh, liability is a, is something else. (laughs) There's gotta be something, something else we should be doing. Um, I was thinking, you know, washing cars, is there less liability with that maybe? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about alternate careers as well, again. Um, yeah. I, I, a lot of the things they were talking about are things I've you know, been running across or been crossing my mind in some of the work I've been doing and working with some of the clients. And um, I know we, we talk about the risk risk management with this, but um, maybe what we really should be talking more about is risk, risk mitigation because... Mm-hmm there's going to be some risk. It's just, how do we just try to minimize it? Yeah. I, th- I think that's a really great point. Um, and I guess for a rundown of the topics that we've talked about this week, we started out the week talking about client selection and risk management, or maybe that, you know, that's a big part of mitigating risk. And then we talked about yeah. means and methods and then insurance. But I, I think, you know, when I guess it was Zach was talking about, uh, the level of sophistication of clients and, you know, and understanding who your clients are and expectations and things like that. It, it, uh, that seems to, to really be getting hammered home this week and, and, uh, in this conversation, you know, whether your client's a contractor or a future uh-huh. homeowner or whoever I, they are. I, I think that's a big, um, concern for me for us like as a small practice folks mm-hmm. um a lot of actually i would say most of my projects are one ofs it's a client doing this for the first time and first mm-hmm. and only time so the idea of having my insurance rates be higher because i'm not having a repeat client or somehow that my practice is is not um i guess as good as it could be because i don't have repeat clients well in from my market is just folks who do one thing one time you know yeah yeah me too <laughs> what are you me too, to so, do? but then he said you know when i asked him about about uh working for contractors as repeat clients um i kind of blanked out because my head rush was too much so i couldn't really hear him but anyway he said i think i wrote that can go sideways very quickly what he said yes so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so then how we can't really have repeat clients in the same way that it, like commercial architects could or hospitality architects could, right? Residential right. architects probably don't have that many repeat clients. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, um, maybe Steve said it, but they were talking about the relationship 
and, you know, knowing each other and the expectations and, you know, mm-hmm. communication. And I think, you know, maybe, if, maybe if there's any solace in the whole thing is, you know, if you work for the same contractor a lot and you know each other really well and you know the um, expectations really well, that, that might be best case scenario in, in that type of, uh, right. that type yeah. of arrangement. Yeah, I just happen to be in the other kind of arrangement right now that I'm trying. But, but I I, most, most I'm pretty sure it doesn't fall into the four S's for me to talk about it on a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. what 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 I'm are the four to. S's? What are the four S's? Oh, what are the four S's? Okay, sending, seeing, saving, and signing. Yeah, not in that order. That wasn't the right order. It was yeah. signing, seeing, sending, and saving. Sending and saving. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love that. I mean, I, I think it, it, uh, it sums it up really well. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. that's why he, why he put it together that way, but, um, yeah. that's, that's a good, good little tool. That's a good tool. There was, um, there were a couple questions there at the end and I always feel bad. We get into these conversations like this could, yeah. this really, I was joking, um, but this really could go a long time. This could be long conversations, not just an hour. Um, and there were some, some questions at the end that we really didn't get to and didn't address yeah. uh, about construction administration. Yeah, when uh, he said that, I was wondering, well, can you elaborate? <laughs> could you yeah. Um, yeah. tell us how we're supposed to, or how we increase our liability through incorrect construction administration? Or not oh, doing construction administration? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he meant. I saw Sarah Lee was kind of curious as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so he mentioned a, a younger person, right? A younger team member that... Is you could be not, old and clueless, I'm feeling. Well, that's that's. I, I think that's a good point. It, maybe we just call it a clueless I mean, person. Too, yeah, just clueless. Yeah. Oh, I just feel like, am I young? I mean, I'm not young. If I've been doing this like 25, six years, then maybe I know what I'm doing. But then I listen to these conversations and um, makes me worry. Because yeah. you don't I, know what you don't know. Yeah, but I think on the flip so. side, though, um, you you need to be doing construction administration, don't you? you do, do both be. of you do? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I I I try to do it. I try to do it, but I've got clients that don't, they don't they don't want, want to be bothered. They don't want me to be around until there's a problem, of course. But yes, yeah, yeah, until there's yeah, a problem, the thing, right? yeah. And you got that client you haven't talked to in three months calling, and it's not just mm-hmm. to say hi. Yeah, in in your states, so so Ken, you're in in Michigan, and Catherine, you're in Massachusetts. Um, in here in Indiana, uh, and, and this only applies to to um, basically commercial projects. It wouldn't apply to a residential project. But in in the state of Indiana, unless something has changed um, that I'm not aware of someone has to provide construction administration. Someone is signing off on the form at the, the state level for the construction design release that's that's going to be, um, I forget what the term is, what, what they call that person, the design professional that's observing the construction or whatever it is. The, the um, design professional and responsible charge. There you go. Um, <clears throat> is, is, that that the, is that the same in your states? I don't know if it's the same. I've literally never run across, I've, I've seen the term and I've seen it in the building code that there is a design per, design person, design designer and, and responsible charge who's supposed to um, review any shop drawings or submittals or anything for the building department before they do their 
abuser as part of the permitting and occupancy process. I've never run across it until literally just recently on a project I'm doing in Battle Creek with a building inspector for plan review. They wanted a letter from the owner saying, hey, you've got an architect that's the designer and responsible charge and to sign off mm-hmm. to say, hey, you got to basically you got to listen to what he says. <laughs> Yeah, and right. Yeah, that's but I've, I've never, I've never run across that, and had projects go through with no CA at the owner's request. We didn't do any CA, and they mm-hmm. completed the project, closed it out, and I, I never even got called to the grand opening. Yeah, I know. Me neither. You don't get called to the grand opening after you don't see them for a year. Yeah, yeah I don't. I, I work on existing buildings and not very, usually not very large projects. I mean, they're just single family mostly. So I don't, yeah, I haven't run into that having to sign off on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, like I said, here in Indiana, it would have to be, so it would have to be going through the state, which means it's a, it's a it's class A, it's a project, commercial yeah. building that's, that's going through. And you, you actually, someone has assigned the form, right? And it, there's always been an objection in the terminology because you want to say observation, but it, it says something that your AIA contract document doesn't want you to say i don't remember if it actually says inspecting or um but there, there's been argument about that for for decades um but i digress <laughs> Catherine, what was your I, I know there's a lot of things that that's stressed you out about that conversation what's your biggest takeaway from from uh zach and steve part two or zach part two and steve okay so i don't know if this is a takeaway officially my thought after is that we could have them back again in two months and still have plenty to ask them. Yeah. You know, like you were saying, like we could still have five hours on this topic and that people have so many, so many questions. And I was surprised on Clubhouse this morning, I think only Amy Baker and I said that we have um, attorneys who specialize in um, working with architects. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised there aren't more. So yeah, I wonder I would... how much people deal with their maybe we should be glad that there aren't more. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> that's that's the question I feel like i'm the... jinxing it all the time if i even yeah. talk about it it makes me nervous yeah well that's the quite why i asked that question at the end about you know do you need a team um and, and i thought zach's answer was was a pretty good one is maybe you don't but um you know, in my experience, it's been a long time since I've worked in an architecture firm now, I guess, seven, seven years or so. Um, but we always had really good uh, insurance agents, insurance brokers that helped us. You know, they reviewed um, contracts and, and, you know, the things that good insurance agents do. And, and we, we had an attorney as well that, that specialized in um, the AEC world that represented us. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it does surprise me that, that more people don't, but it also surprises me when, when people say, Hey, I don't, I don't carry insurance. Yeah. Um, well, that's true. That is surprising. Mm-hmm. I, I, those people should have more of a, a light head than I do. Cause at least I have, I have that, but you know, I was, I was interested to hear that there's an uptick in the residential, um, residential litigation mm-hmm. lately. Uh-huh. Also, what he said about the um, having to redesign for free, that whole thing is interesting. Yes, that one, that one surprised me. 
Mm. And, and it took me a minute to figure out what he was actually talking about, but it sounds like, and I, it was Zach that was, was talking about that, right? Um, it, it, to me, it sounds like somebody actually has in their contract that if there's a gap of 5% or more, as mm-hmm. in it, it's the, um, the, the cost of construction comes in 5% over budget or whatever it is, they're going to redesign for free. I, I just sat there. May, I may be completely naive, but I'm thinking, why in the world would you put that in your contract? That was my exact, that was my thought as well, man. I, would I never, thought that too, would actually. That. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess there are some projects where the budget and not going over budget is the most important thing to the client. So uh, I, mean, I guess they would have that in there, but that would be tough because it, prices are going up so quickly. Yeah. There's, there's actually someone in my mastermind group that, um, they, they brought this up in our, uh, in our meeting last week, our mastermind meeting last week where they have a client, um, and they do large, beautiful, large, uh, residential, you know, single family homes. Um, and you know, the budget was X, the, the contractor or contractors that the architect recommended all were within an acceptable range of X. The client wanted to use a different contractor, and that contractor came in at, at far above X. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, math off the top of my head was maybe 50% above mm-hmm. X. The client, of course, was upset. You know, this is the contractor they want to use. It came in 50% higher than the others or whatever the actual number was. And then turned around and requested a refund of the architect's fees, which to that point had totaled $100,000. What? Wow. And um, and so our... I said, how do you justify or even ask that? You're, you're basically saying, I know you've done all this work and I paid you for it, but now eh, I want my money back. Yeah, I don't. It's... Yeah, I, I had a similar thing like that, too, where I had I had two contractors who could do the project for roughly what their budget was. And then but they wanted to use this other one that was one hundred and fifty thousand more in a, you know, it was like two oh eight versus three seventy. Mm-hmm. And so but I have two people who can do it over here, but they didn't want to use them. Yeah. They wanted these other people, which is not yeah. part of, but anyway, it was, um, it's a hundred thousand dollar fee and they had to give the whole thing back. Well, I, I don't, I don't know what the resolution is yet. Um, but the, um, even the, the attorney did advise to basically offer something, but no, nothing close to the full fee. Oh, um, what a bummer. That must've been a lot of work. Oh, I mean, yeah, taking up yeah. a year of, of long time. I guess I guess I'd have to see more detail why why that if it, it came to that being the question or being the a possible resolution. You know, you've you've done the design work, and you know mm-hmm. why why on earth did you ever off get get the fee back? Yeah, I don't. I I had you know in my past life in, in my past firm life, I had a client that um, uh, I think it was a different. I mean, it wasn't a hundred thousand dollar fee to begin with, but but it's maybe a slightly different uh, circumstance. They decided not to go forward with the project, and then said, "Well, since we can't use your drawings, so they had basically reduced it all down to to quote unquote drawings, right? Um, then we don't think we should have to pay you um, for those drawings." 
Well, that's different. I mean, I've had that happen with a, a client. We start, he, I took an initial payment to get started and they decided they weren't going to do the project before we had our first meeting. My, my dog, my daughter's dog here is talking, wants to join I'm glad to hear that's your dog, Ken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, Nala, go away. But he, he wanted to stop the project before, and right as we started, I think I may have um, started a couple sketches and then you know, he wanted his, he wanted me to return his money. And I said, no. And the next thing I know, he's taking me to court. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. didn't know what to do with that. But I was, I was really early, early in my career. We had just started doing stuff. and I didn't know what to do. So <laughs> what'd you do? Well, I, I gave him his money back. I mean, I was like, oh, and, and, and that, without, I guess, didn't really read my contract thoroughly, but after reading it, it's like, I'm, now I make sure I have the statement in it that the initial payment is not a retainer, but an initial payment and minimum payment for services. So mm. you bank that payment. If you want to stop work, fine. Bye. Have a good life. And that minimum payment is just the minimum payment, not a retainer for service. And I think it was stated it was a retainer. It would be credited towards the first invoice. Well, we never invoice, so he's asking for his money back. Right. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, so I've yeah. changed that. And they, the, the wording of the AIA contract actually has it in there too now. It says minimum payment for services, not just hmm. a retainer. Huh. Well, yeah, I've given fee. I've returned fee before, mm -hmm. you know, because they stop work or because I feel like I want it to go away, whatever the conflict is. So then I just offer to give them back a certain amount of money. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that was the the attorney's advice to the the person in my in my mastermind group. You know, it's sort of a peace offering or whatever. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature, and Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient, ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy up to 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heat company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the United States at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of the job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. You know, where I live in Indianapolis, fall is a beautiful time of year. Right now, the leaves are orange and yellow, and there's a wonderful Christmas in the air. But let's be honest, as beautiful as it is, sitting on the porch and shivering as I watch the neighborhood go by starts to lose its appeal. I guess it's time to consider an Infratech heating system so that I can sit outside at least until all of the leaves have fallen. But, you know, I think it, it sort of comes full circle in a way to that client selection process. Right. And I was just thinking and, about you know, that. 
setting expectations up front. Yeah, yes, yeah. Right. When he was talking about that, I wish he'd elaborated a little bit more on that because what can we do to when he was talking about a sophisticated client, does that mean that we don't necessarily want to work with people who are sophisticated or we do? Like you were saying, Ken, it's just a person who's done it, never done it before, not going to do it again. So would they be less likely to sue you than a developer or an attorney? Yeah, I think that's, that's why I think the catch is a kind of a catch 22, because like I say, you, you want to work with the nice people to help them with their project, but they've never done this before. So they are not the sophisticated client that you're going to get a credit on your insurance for working with. Yeah. And they are they are more than likely going to be a, I say a problem client, but it's more likely something is going to come up that's they're not familiar with just because they've never done a construction project before, never hired an architect before, mm -hmm. and there's a learning a learning curve for them, and it does get tired for us because we're going through that same learning curve over and over and over, mm -hmm. <laughs> or watching we, it happen. Sometimes <laughs> I forget about that learning curve until it's yeah. a little bit too late. Somebody told me long ago, I don't remember who it was or, or where it was, but, you know, ultimately it's about setting and meeting expectations. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, listening to this conversation today and, um, you know, all, all the conversations we've had about risk management uh, all week, I, I think that's, you know, who, whoever. So whoever it is that's out there that said that, thank you. Because I think that's that's really it, right? If if whether they're a sophisticated client or not, if they have a certain expectation, and and we do have an opportunity to try to influence that expectation, especially early on, like Tim Dearborn made that comment uh, during during the uh, Context and Clarity Live today about about communication and, and conversations. Um, but if if we allow that. Um, expectation to be set and then we don't meet it that's that's where it starts to crumble and and un i think unfortunately now one of the most common tools in somebody's toolbox is to to say i'll sue you that's that's kind of a scary prospect the challenge i see and run into is that the expectations are are set before we've had the first meeting that's true you know, coming you know with an hgtv world out there that there's they have expectations of what they're they think an architect is supposed to do and what the services are supposed to be and they've already talked to you know this contractor and that contractor and their cousin their friend who's done it before and this is the way they did it and so now everything that i'm trying to tell them in terms of managing expectations doesn't make any sense because it contradicts everything else they've heard before now that's now how do you mitigate how do you manage that yeah, I think that's uh, I think that is a reality. Um, that that HGTV effect or or whatever, yeah. whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Catherine, well, I think you had your. Sorry, go ahead, Ken. It's not not just. I mean, it's more than HGTV. I mean, it's also the expectations of the, the clients or people. They know other people who've done work, and and I know I have a, a project right now where it's more a case of what somebody else got away with. And now we're trying to get away with the same thing. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have got away with it over there. And we're definitely not going to get away with it over here. So we, you know, why are we trying to push, push this issue? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Catherine, you had your hand up a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, I did because, um, and Sarah, you're going to have to cut this part out, but are we recording right now? 
Are yes. you recording? Okay, good. Because on yeah. my thing it says recording paused. So I'm recording. It's recording here. Okay, that's good. Because um, it must be just that when I came on, it was recording. Anyway, it's fine. Yeah, it's the little red thing is flashing, so I assume we are. Okay. 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 <laughs> that's... Okay, so you can start <laughs> up again, Sarah. <laughs> well, before you start up, Sarah, I I was for class the other night. Um, we had James Petty, who's the architect and developer guy, talk to our class. And I got to the end and I couldn't remember. I had this sick feeling that I had forgotten to record it. And I was like, oh, oh no, God. did you forget? <laughs> I did not forget. So oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, Sarah, we're coming back now. Okay. Phew. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, there is a market for this information, so... I mean, for... architects for all of this risk management and risk mitigation oh you sure. know, yeah. I, I feel like we all want to make sure we're doing the right thing yeah 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 i i you know you said you said a minute ago Catherine. you said a minute ago that um you know we could bring them back in two months or whatever the time frame was and i <laughs> yeah. i think that's i i i think that's exactly right you know and same with Patty Harris that we had a few weeks ago, she was talking about licensure and all of that. There's so much mm-hmm. to uh, to unpack there. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I guess the other uh, the other side of that is you know sort of the same as being an architect. Um, you guys have spent your entire careers learning what you know and practicing what you know and developing your experience and expertise. So has Patty, so has Steve, so has Zach, and and trying to trying to pull all of that out of out of them in one hour conversations is not reasonable. Um, so maybe maybe the big yep. takeaway is to find find good people like them to to help you. I guess maybe that's yeah. the the elephant yeah. in the room. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody talks about building the team, right? That's all really what you have to do, and then yeah, it's a good point. You don't have to have all their knowledge. You just have to have them there to help. Yeah, that's or, uh... or, or just for being an employee and don't don't start your own firm. That is another option. Or like you said, go work at a car wash or <laughs> whatever yeah. other job. I'm leaning towards coffee shop. Yeah, get my espresso. <laughs> yeah, it, but the yeah both both uh, or all three, I guess right be. Be or what was it to be an employee, um, or uh, go work somewhere else, switch switch careers, I guess. Yeah. Both valid options. Mm-hmm. Um, hate to be that negative about it, but um, no, it's just a scary topic because who wants to think that everything that you, you know, it's, it's like basically it comes down to our homes, really. I think a lot of people are worried about losing their homes, mm-hmm. and so. Whether that's founded, it's it's any base based in any kind of reality. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and and Steve's comment at the beginning or, or close to the beginning about that. Um, hopefully, that puts some people at ease. Is that it usually doesn't go beyond and and make sure you have the uh, uh, clauses in your your contract that limit your liability to the cover to your uh, the uh, level of your insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, to protect yourself in that way, but uh, uh, but yeah, it it is it is a scary topic, but 
But I think at the same time, and to those people that during this week and in other threads in the Entre-Architect community Facebook group have said that they don't carry insurance and here's the reasons why, hopefully the the average, the number of, of people in our community that actually have been sued uh, is relatively low. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Well, I think part of it is the... Um when you look at the level of fees for a lot of smaller projects, the the mm-hmm. cost of litigation and cost of recovery doesn't justify the money that's there or money in dis- what's a dispute. Um, I know I've, oh, I've, yeah, had that's for sure. I, I've had disputes go the other way where I'm trying to recover money from some clients or you know get the final payment or get payment. And it's like, you know, what they owe me is less than half what's gonna cost me to get an attorney to, to get it in the first place. So. You know, yeah. why go after it? So I guess I see the folks who, and I, I did this for years. I didn't have insurance for years either. Well, it was like, you know, deep pockets. That's what the our litigious world goes after. So if you don't have insurance, insurance companies don't want you to hear this, but if you don't have insurance, nobody's going to sue you because what are they going to get? Yeah, that's, that is exactly the reasoning of, uh, of everybody that has commented in that way. And I, I mean, I think it's founded, right? It's, it, it is, uh, it, it has a basis there. Um, the, um, Hmm. I I was, you have a house or anything else. Couldn't they get that? I mean, if, if you have that, I mean, if it's worth getting, if it's something that's worth getting, I mean, you know, it's assuming that you're, you're trying to settle, you know, if the settlement, amount is you know someone's house is probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars so if that's the, the settlement that's a, that's a different thing and maybe you should be carrying insurance but if you're if you're renting an apartment and your car is 10 years old and yeah that's true i guess i should just get still... a little bit poorer just a little bit poorer <laughs> yeah well, well they're, they're only going to sue the rich architects <laughs> yes yeah i mean that's, yeah. i think there's some yeah. there's some truth to that that if you don't have, like say, if you have a, people are concerned about losing their house. Well, if you don't have a house in the first place, you're not, you're probably not going to get sued. <laughs> I guess I will console myself with that if I lose my house. Then now I can't, you know, now there's nothing left to give. So, well, you know, we, we have not talked about it in exactly this way before. Maybe we need to get a guest to, you know, we talked, we talked with Patty a few weeks ago about business entities for your firms. But maybe we need to get um, a CPA or somebody to come and talk about setting up uh, um, umbrella, basically holding companies that's your personal LLC, because that's mm-hmm. that's possible. I've been I've been studying that recently, hmm. because then you could you could literally or, or legally not have a house. You know mm-hmm. the the holding company mm. has has the the house uh, so maybe that's another conversation for risk mitigation as maybe. well that um, gets a little fuzzy because you know a lot of us are in partnerships with uh you know spouses right right right, right. then what that's yeah. you know it's like a lot of moving parts that just like oh yeah. yeah we should we should talk about that because i think a lot of people want to know that as well so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one one last thing that came to my mind um, and I, I think John Jones commented during the conversation today about uh, some clauses uh, that don't hold up in court. 
And I, I seem to remember we, we would always put in our contracts that the, uh, I forget how the exact wording goes, but basically my liability is limited to the, um, to the amount of my contract. Right. So, so if my architecture fee is a hundred thousand dollars, my liability ends at a hundred thousand dollars. I think I've heard that that may not be enforceable. Do you, do either of you know about that? It's not enforceable. I have a friend who does that. So she doesn't carry insurance. She just says that's like, that's a limit of my liability. And I asked my, my attorney about that. And he said, that's not a good idea. So I figure for however much I pay, you know, I don't pay that much in insurance. It's probably, you know, under 10,000 a year in liability insurance compared to my health insurance, which is $3,300 a month. Yeah, it's all just, you know, relative, I suppose. <laughs> but anyway, I'd rather pay the insurance and I, I'm just the type of person who can't sleep at night if I start worrying about these kinds of things, so... I think that's really probably the bigger issue is bigger problem. It's not so much how much they're going to take. It's just having to go through the process of, of the taking. Yes. Yeah. The, the process of the taking is the thing I dread. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not the taking. Oh, well, can we end on a, on a happy note? Is there any happy note? <laughs> the happy note, I would say the happy note is that there are people like this that you can have on your team that can be there for you. So you're not mm. alone. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, it's, um, I've said this several times this week. Uh, it's, I haven't, I haven't been in, in practice for seven years. Um, but, you know, remembering back to the insurance agents that we used and the attorney that we used, and they were, they were great partners and great resources. Um, and, and I just, again, I just encourage whether you called Zach or, you know, somebody else, um, there are a couple of people that brought up that they, they didn't have very good agents or in a period of time, they didn't have very good agents or whatever. I, easy to say, I guess, but I would, I would look for that good agent because I mean, just think about what all, all the knowledge that these two guys shared with us tonight and what that could help you avoid so yeah i would oh, i would absolutely. say that's a positive yeah. note yeah yep. i'm surprised that they don't reach out more to communities like this um, because i i had a time trying to find an agent i'm asking around people and just trying to find an insurance agent to, to when i was chose to get insurance it was a, mm -hmm. a a challenge just trying to find somebody that um aren't they knocking on our door this you know reaching out to every every graduate architect or every every aia member or something that's a good yeah. idea going right to the schools get people on their way out yeah you would think you, you would think i mean sometimes you know you'll find them as sponsors of of your local aia or you know whatever um but it, it and honestly I'm i'm with you there because it was yesterday we talked about insurance and, and risk management. And um, there was there was more than one person saying, hey, where do I find a good agent? Because I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with that. So um, it, um, I guess I guess that makes me thankful that Zach and Steve are part of the community. They're over in the Architects and Allies uh, Facebook group, the Entree Architect, Architects and Allies group. Mm. So they, they're you know, they're in this community, which is fantastic. And, and thanks, thank you to them for, for being that. But, um, 
but yeah, you would, you would think that um, they might like sponsor graduation or something. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. just saying, hey, I'm, I'm out here, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. give me a call. Because like I said, the biggest question I had was, okay, everybody's saying you got to get insurance and yeah, I've got a great agent and this, but like, well, what is the first question they ask? And when you call, what is it that they're going to, what do you have to provide them? What kind of information is in the application form or, you know, that was yeah. all never shared with me until I actually got to talk to someone about getting a policy. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up getting, I switched from the person I was using and I ended up getting uh, something off the internet, which always seems a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to send to Zach to have him look over. Yep. But, yep. Um, well, you know, know, he, he mentioned that there towards the end of the conversation, um, you know, is a, is a team like Zach and Steve right for everybody? No. I mean, you know, you've got to, you've got to kind of weigh those as, um, you know, and, and I think he, I think he based it on how much liability you actually have. Well, I the, wish I knew how much I have. Cause I keep thinking that here's a big question I have. What could possibly go wrong? Okay. I'm sorry. I said that I'm going to knock on wood now. <laughs> you're about to find out right? yeah i know oh no I've murphy's done knocking on your door <laughs> well i, th- well, I think yeah. for, uh, well that that's one of the big takeaways i heard from him that he was saying that 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 team you need to have if you if you've got large projects you've got large receivables you know you, there's a lot a lot of liability and it's more financial liability hanging out there than yeah you want to have that kind of team but you know if you're doing house additions and porch renovations your mm-hmm. liability probably isn't that that much. The resolution of those kind of issues is going to be, like, say, either you're you know you're you're writing a small check or you're just saying, sorry, you got to find somebody else to finish it or something. That's not, mm-hmm. you know, you're, it's not multi million dollar litigation going on. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I guess the the good news is that the insurance is out there, and fortunately or unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It probably costs less than your health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it does. So, For me, it does. It's about like a tenth yeah. of my health insurance. Yeah, it is that's... more than my car insurance, though. That's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's between uh, <laughs> car insurance and health insurance. Yeah. 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 Well, um, Ken, thanks a lot for joining us here backstage. It's great to hear your takeaways from this conversation, um, and. and you know, how, how you're going to apply some of this that, uh, that we learned in the conversation with Zach and Steve today. And uh, Catherine, as always, thanks for uh, co-hosting all of this with me. And uh, for everybody that's out there listening to this, thanks for listening. Hopefully this helps you in some way. Um, hopefully uh, you've learned something from this. I, I said this at the end of the, the live conversation. I know, you know, we, we stacked up two weeks, not, not in a row, but we stacked up two weeks of, uh, of risk management and, and more than one person has expressed how stressful, um, it's been to think about and talk about risk management for, for, uh, two weeks, but hopefully this was an opportunity to mitigate some of that stress because, um, because you got some answers. Um, I, again, I, I would encourage you to reach out to, um, to Zach, to Steve, to, to people like them. Uh, I don't have any great advice off the top of my head of how to find people like that, where you are, wherever that is. But, uh, that's, that's the encouragement. There is help out there. 
Um, so thank you again for listening in. We'll be back at it again next week. Um, next week on Context and Clarity Live, we will have Michael Gerber, who is the author of E-Myth, the, the whole suite of E-Myth books. Uh, you've probably heard of him. So uh, um, if uh, the podcast is your thing, keep your ears out for our uh, Context and Clarity Live with Michael Gerber. And uh, thanks again for uh, joining us here for this backstage and uh, take care of yourself. Be well, be safe. Take a little bit of time to breathe and relax and rejuvenate. Uh, it's a wacky world out there. So uh, take care of yourself. And I hope that I'll see you somewhere sometime soon. Thanks, everybody. I want to say thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of the Context and Clarity podcast. Visit infratechusa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. All right, well, now you know what we thought and what we're going to do with what we learned. But what did you think? What did we miss? I really hope that there was some big takeaway from the Context and Clarity Live conversation or from our breakdown right here that will help you with your business. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter and let me know what your takeaways were. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us to get the message out and help us to help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well. There you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine and I will host Context and Clarity live again with a new special guest and a new theme for next week. There's always something new to look forward to. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's also the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics just like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.